Well, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of All Out War. I am Turner, and I am joined in the studio with Rosie. Rosie, what's up? Hey, what's hey, up? How you doing? I'm good, man. And the lovely Rachel. Rachel, how are you? How is everybody? <laughs> Tired. Head hurts. Tired and head hurts. Guys, guys, this is crazy. This is, uh, what's today? Today's the 25th of October. This is the Halloween episode, I guess you could call it. Yeah. We did something last year, you and I did, Rosie. We were talking about the origins of Halloween and the connection mm-hmm. with the church and all that stuff. And I think the one before that we talked about the Salem witch trial. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I can't remember. but Which we defended. We defended. I did. <laughs> we did. I've, be- I've become more on that. Even, you know what? Speaking after of tonight, after tonight, I was gonna say I made a public proclamation um, a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I was like, you know what? I think in Salem back in the 1600s or whatever it was, there's a lot of witches that needed to be burned. <laughs> so I am in favor of that. The Bible says it's okay, so I'm good. And I think after this episode, which you guys hear. Everyone else will be with me, and we can all pick up our pitchforks, and we shall go burn <laughs> witches. I think that's a good thing. Oh, man. Uh, if it wasn't true, I, we got to laugh, right? I mean, <laughs> what else you can do? Oh, man. So, he, Rosie's right. This is a crazy This is a crazy episode. Like, it's... We have a, a really amazing guest, and, um, and Jesse is... We'll get to her in just a second, but uh, let's do this. Rosie, what do you know? Hey, did you know that, uh, you know the country of Liechtenstein, right? Yeah. All right. Do you know that it is so small and uh, the borders are like so non-existent that they literally always keep getting invaded by Switzerland? Wow. Because Switzerland's like its biggest neighbor. And every time- By accident? Yeah, by accident. Because like there's troops, it happens all the time. (laughs) So it's like some Swiss army will be doing like uh, some training and they'll just accidentally go invade this- the country because they'll like go cross over the border right like while they're doing a hike or something like that and literally every time sweden come or switzerland oh oh, yeah switzerland yeah i was gonna say sweden's not sweden switzerland every time the swiss come out and they're like hey uh we kind of invaded your country last night we're sorry about that like literally all the time they're like yeah no problem this is a real quote uh from mark's Ammon, the interior ministry spokesman, just one of these, one of the times it happened, he said, nobody noticed in Liechtenstein. He said, it's not like they stormed over here with attack helicopters or something. It's no problem. These things happen. <laughs> so like literally all the time they keep getting invaded and he's just like, ah, yeah, it's fine. It happens. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's amazing. They're just like, so whatever about it. They're like, yeah, we're pretty small. Yeah. That's cool. Oh, little Liechtenstein getting invaded by Sweden. Yeah. All the time. That's cool. All right. So this episode. Wait, let me, what? you know what? I uh, feel like I need to give a second one okay, because. Sure. Um, I mean, it's only a two hour podcast. Why not? Well, you know what? The, because this one, you're going to need a little bit of humor. Okay. All right. Did you True. know that there is a penguin, a general, uh, what is he? A king penguin named uh, Major Nils Engligan. Or major, uh, whatever. Uh, anyway, he was knighted. He was a knight. A penguin was knighted. No. Yeah. And it was, he, uh, Norway, in Norway. It was, it was a position so high that it had to be approved by the king of Norway, King Harold V. And uh, he walked out. Look at this picture. Literally knighted the penguin with the sword. 
they literally for those of you that we don't have you can't see this because it's audio but there literally is a king of norway putting the sword on the shoulder of the penguin in the middle of the street i dub thee sir <laughs> nils olaf they have to call him sir yeah it's uh, sir yeah. oh that's amazing um there you go <laughs> so there's a penguin that's night. freaking penguins get knighted i can't even I, I can't even get any recognition what the heck well one of them deserves it one, one of them doesn't <laughs> Oh man, I'm abused. Yes. Uh, right. Inside and out. All right. <laughs> All right. Hey, so let me just give a a, a sober warning real quick. Um, this this episode for for before we get started in this, I just want people to understand that Jesse Saboda was uh, raised in the Illuminati. She was being groomed to take over a high level position within the Illuminati. Uh, or the Brotherhood, as she calls it, and um, had experienced, she's in what we call an SRA, Satanic Ritual Abuse Survivor. And she has stories that are graphic and mature. And so I would encourage if there's any young ears listening that you would put earmuffs on them or send them out. And this is one of the reasons why we put explicit on our podcast, because Mm. we want people to understand this is adult and this is very real and uh, it's unbelievable. So I think uh, we should also put a disclaimer. Yes, that is um, don't don't. Uh, yes, I want to say like don't yell at us. Yeah, if anything you hear, <laughs> um, and for the government listening, oh, uh, these are only the opinions of anyone. Okay, don't come after me. Sure, I don't want people to kill me. That's why. All right, all right, you guys ready? You ready? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Okay. All right. Hey, uh, do me a favor. Um, you better get the largest cup you can find. But sit back and grab a cup of kahi coffee mm-hmm. and enjoy. You're listening to the All Out War Podcast. Well, everybody, welcome to another episode of All Out War. We have an amazing guest with us today. Um, I'm going to save all the introduction for her to tell her testimony because it's literally that powerful. But I want to welcome to the podcast, Jesse. Jesse, how are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me here. And it has been um, an awesome honor to have you. Knowing that you were coming on for mm-hmm. the, the last week or two, I was, I've was i been just literally thinking about this because of, uh, I think, this topic, is, the timeliness of what we're going to talk about and your experiences, I think they're going to just be, um, I think it's the timing is perfect for this. And so I'm so thankful that you took the time to join us. And, and why don't we start by you just sharing a little bit about your background and, and also your last name is almost impo- impossible in the English language to pronounce. It's is it Saboter? Close, yeah, Saboter. Saboter, okay. It's spelled yep. very differently. It's C Z E B O T A R. Is that what it is? Yeah. Okay. Correct. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So we'll put links in the show notes for all to contact you on your website and all that stuff. How to get in, connected with you? But let's start Great. by just sharing your testimony, and um, we'll start at that spot. Okay. Yeah, um, well, I'll start uh, by trade. I'm a hosp- uh, fully trained hospital chaplain 
and have spent the past 14 years um, working at that career. And uh, my specialties up until the past five years uh, were with the, the veterans, um, working at the veteran hospital, and then uh, particularly veteran mental health with PTSD. And then I worked specialty trauma hospitals um, for quite a few years and then hospice. And so that's kind of where the Lord's had my career for the past 14 years. And then um, about five years ago, the Lord started to move things and shift it in a different direction. And, um, you know, there were some things happening where specifically the Lord told me that I would be sharing my testimony publicly. And that included um, the background of my childhood, which, you know, for 38 years, I had never gotten to speak about any of this stuff. I couldn't, um, you know, tell even if I wanted to, um, nobody would listen. And, and I had tried to share, you know, my story with um, individuals in law enforcement, individuals in the church, um, individuals in government, and just nobody would even, you know, I'd say one line, my family you know, is, is in the occult or my family kills babies and immediately I would get shut down and nobody wanted to even ask, are you okay? Are you safe? Um, they would just shut me completely down and, you know, I wouldn't get any more out. And so um, five years ago, the Lord really put a shift in that and, you know, told me uh, in prayer one night that I would start to share my testimony and that it would be a very difficult road. And um, so I just started, you know, praying and asking him to open the doors. So I'll go back a little bit here with that, um, with my story. Um, I was born into uh, what is considered bloodline families. And for those who um, may have heard the term, especially recently, um, that is in regards to individuals who consider themselves um, the Brotherhood or the Illuminati. Sometimes it's called now the Cabal or the Deep State. But when I was growing up, I knew it as the Brotherhood. And um, it's a you know group of um, individuals that um, have cover lives where they live one way by day, one way that people see them. But, you know, behind the scenes, they really are worshipers of Satan or Lucifer. And um, so with the bloodlines, um, it really goes all the way back to the time of the Hivites and the Canaanites. And you had this group of individuals who um, were the children of Cain, and they worshipped Baal and Molech. And we're into blood sacrifice, um, killing of children and offering their children as sacrifices to um, Baal and Molech. And, um, and the Lord at that time, he called Abraham out of that land because the Lord did not want him participating in those things. And so Abraham came out and the Lord promised him, one, that he would give him a land, two, that he would make him the father of nations. So we know later on, as we study scripture, that Abraham had a son. And, you know, as his heirs multiplied, um, his grandson Jacob had 12 sons. 
And one of those sons, Joseph, um, was sold into Egypt. And so when the Lord reunited that family, um, you know, each of Jacob's sons were considered one of the 12 tribes of Israel. But Joseph was given two portions. So therefore they became 13 sons of Israel. Um, and then uh, what the Illuminati system has done, because they all, all of the bloodlines stem out of these uh, 13 tribes of Israel, um, but they add a 14th um, heir to Abraham, and that is through Ishmael. Um, so you've got the 14th bloodline through Ishmael and, um, everybody who's in this system, um, genetically carries the DNA of one or more of these bloodlines. Hmm. Um, so I was born into that family, um, pretty high, very high level. Um, my relatives, um, were the five queen mothers of darkness. And so the structure of this, like I described the brotherhood kind of as a system or a company, that's the easiest way to understand it. And at the very, very top, you have Satan who owns this company. Um, the people he has running it and overseeing everything are the five mothers of darkness. So they are directly underneath Satan. And then under them, it stems out where you have over 300 um, men and women who sit on the satanic or druidic council. And um, those people would be kind of considered the board of directors for the company. Mm. Um, they oversee quadrants both in the United States or internationally, and they are in charge of running those quadrants for the brotherhood system. Um, underneath the councilmen, you would have the grand high priest and priestesses, and each of them, you know, are in charge of running one of the quadrants under the councilmen. Um, and then under those individuals, it would start to break down where you have the high priest and priestesses, and that they're the ones who directly oversee the company's department stores kind of how I classify it in each quadrant. So those department stores would be um, the Masonic lodges, the <laughs> Catholic churches, the Mormon churches, the cabal and the Satanists. So you've got five departments that those high priests and priestesses are going to be in charge of overseeing. Um, so my family, you know, being the mothers of darkness, um, one of my relatives was the queen and that's whose position I was chosen and selected to um, succeed. And so my training began at age four and a half for this position and continued until age 10 when I was fully trained to take that position. Um, and before all that training began, I want to go back just a little bit. Um, like I said, it began at age four and a half. But at age two, the Lord intervened, knowing what was going to happen ahead of time. And um, we had another relative um, that was a Christian. 
started bringing me and my mother to church with him. And it was at that church that, um, you know, I was the only <laughs> little one in the nursery. And um, I had this nursery worker named Lily. And she would sit me on her lap. And she w- literally would open up the Bible and put it right on our laps. And she would read to me from the book of John. And she would sing hymns and <laughs> um, little Bible songs and things like that. And, you know, she, she had no idea how vital that was to, you know, not only my survival, but the things that the Lord is now doing um, because she gave me those tools as a, as a little child. Um, you know, with those things, you know, I've shared some of the stories on um, some of the videos that I've done where, um, you know, literally I would be in a, a summoning circle and this demonic spirit would be coming through and, you know, ready to attack me or another child. And I would start singing the B-I-B-L-E song and these demons would have to flee. They'd have to go back, you know, from where they came. And so, you know, that was how vital those things that she taught me were. Um, you know, it was the only thing that got me through the severe darkness. And she taught me how to have a, a basic relationship with God. Like I knew if I prayed that he was there with me. I knew when I talked to him, you know, that he was listening. And, um, you know, I didn't get a lot of people in the system are programmed Um, you know, I just went through the program. I had to learn it so that I could run it, but I was not actually programmed. So, um, a lot of the individuals who are programmed, they're allowed, uh, different types of coping mechanisms or things they can do to self-medicate through the trauma that they're going through. Um, but I was not afforded any of those things. Like I literally had to go through it and endure it um, with the Lord. And I had to learn to cope with it, uh, with these depths of evil that, um, you know, really are just unexplainable. Hmm. Wow. Okay. (laughs) So (laughs) that's a huge drop right there. So let me, a, a couple questions for you. When, when you, so when you were little at two or three years old, I guess you said you were, what three two or three you got taken to church Mm -hmm. and two and a half two and a half yeah and was there a moment that you remember just receiving jesus as your lord and savior in that time frame yeah definitely there was um the first you know there was a couple times but um the very first time i heard god's word um which was that first chapter in john my heart actually leaped like i knew it was true Mm -hmm. um Lily would say, you know, get ready, Jesus is coming. And I can remember I was just so excited. Like I left church that day and was telling everybody, you know, everywhere we went, it was like, get ready, Jesus is coming. <laughs> and I just kept repeating that. Um, so it was a year later when I was, I was three that my mom sat me down on her lap and she had just accepted the Lord and she explained things to me and said, would you like to ask Jesus into your heart? And I said, yes. And so I prayed and asked him to forgive my sins and come into my heart. So that happened just a year, like a year and a half before that training began. So uh, your mom accepted the Lord 
you were mm -hmm. a believer. How did how did your mom allow you to go into the training for to try and put you within the circle um, if uh, if she was a believer? Yeah, she had no idea. Um, she had experienced a lot of the abuse growing up in early childhood. And then what happened is um, they would tell her that she was crazy, that she had an overactive imagination. Um, so she grew up thinking, you know, that any memories that she had were not real things. Um, you know, so a lot of it at first was that she really didn't know that it really was happening. Hmm. Um, the other thing that they would do is that they would drug my family at night. So they'd come home from work and, and would fall asleep after dinner time and, you know, be knocked out. So that was how they did a lot of that without um, either of my parents' knowledge. So they would come and pick you up and take you away out of the house at that time? Yep, yep. Uh, both for, um, like, I even would go to school in the morning, and then they would take me out of school. Um, and then my night training would happen after um, dinner time when after my parents were asleep. So um, how did you ever tell your parents what was happening? Like, did, didn't you feel like you should talk to them as you got a little bit older? Um, I did not. I did not get the opportunity to do that. There was a lot of um, threats. So, you know, they would they would threaten that they would come into the house and slaughter everybody. And I had seen enough graphic murders already to know that, you know, they were serious. Um, so, you know, I never attempted to even talk with them about it. Um, it was later when I was about age 10 that my mother overheard me and my brother speaking about it. And at that point, um, you know, we reached out to law enforcement to try to um, get them involved and were basically told to keep our mouths shut if we wanted to stay alive. Hmm. And um, so that's, you know, it, at that point it was really hard. And then actually the Lord in his grace ended up, literally moving our family to another area so we were away from those relatives. Hmm. So my dad got a job and we moved, and um, at that point was when the Lord kind of took away their access. So do when, when so you're connected to one of these bloodline families, and do they, when they're in this grooming process where they're trying to bring, you know, more family members in like that, are there some that are just much more aware of it and willing or are there others that are like you where they can, it's just sort of like touches on their life in a massive way, but they are able to get out. Um, there are some that they allow just to live, you know, under their regular cover lives. And as long as they're silent and don't tell anything, um, you know, if their positions are not important, they don't require much of them. Um, at the same time, some of those people, um, they have what we call blackout programming. Hmm. So literally the system, like, you know, they could, the individual could get a phone call or um, somebody could, 
I know this sounds way out there, but astral project at night and whisper a word in their ear and it would mm. trigger that programming. And they literally would, you know, be blacked out consciously and they would have no idea on a conscious level what they were doing or participating in. Mm. And they would just automatically show up for the ritual, do their job. And then when they'd wake up in the morning, they would be back in their beds and have no idea um, that they had participated in anything. Wow. Is this, uh, so this is like extreme. So there's multiple sides to this when, when a victim is being kind of programmed. I guess mm -hmm. you have the spiritual side of things where there's the deceptive and the fear and all of that that connects with that to the emotional side. But then you, and then you have the, the outside of the spiritual side, which is the threats against the family, the manipulations that come through that. So it's almost multifaceted in the way that it controls the person. Um, yeah. When, after you became a Christian and you know, when you, when you were saved, born again, and you were at these, in these rituals and you said like that, that evil demon came out and, and you would start singing the B-I-B-L-E song. Was it was it apparent to the the handlers or whoever it was that were trying to program you that you were a Christian and did they see that and did that did that affect them in any way? Yeah, um, I should probably get a little bit more into my story, but um, um, there's I'll explain first um, the individual who I was succeeding. Um, those individuals are called proctors. So they're almost comparable to a teacher. They don't do um, mind control um, or things like that. So you have, you make your own decisions, but this person kind of guides you in the way that you're supposed to go. Hmm. And it's a lot of, you know, you learn the position through observation. So basically everywhere my proctor went, everything that she did, I was privy to all that evil. And her job was to do everything and um, teach me through observation um, exactly and precisely how everything was supposed to be done and performed. Um, handlers are individuals who operate more at the lower levels of the system. And they would be, a lot of them are more in control of either um, individuals who are involved in the experiments, which would be like the MK ultra victims or um, individuals who are like beta kitty sex slaves or things like that. So they basically do mind control and they control the victim through the, those processes. Um, so with this, um, one of part of my proctor's job um, as the queen mother was that every night uh, we had to have a meeting with Satan. So it literally was just like, a, Wait, you know, we would, hold on, hold on. I mean, it's so weird, I know. But um, right, hold on. literally we would be sitting there and he would appear and we would be having a discussion with him and he would tell us the, you know, the agenda for the next day. And, you know, if there were problems, he would let us know what he was not happy with. And then our job was to make it right and to make sure that things were running exactly how he wanted it run. Okay, hold on. So, I got to cut in. I, <laughs> you would have meetings with Lucifer. Like yes. the, the fallen angel, Satan, 
Wow. Yeah. And, was and it, then at times, um, his seven top generals would be there as well. So Baal, Molech, Asheroth, Toth. That's Semesh. crazy. What? Yeah, those guys would be there too sometimes. So. I think Rachel has a question. I've, I heard her mic turn on. <laughs> I wish people no, I, could see his faces. <laughs> um, so can you guys hear me okay? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, when this was all happening, like, how old were you when this, when you were first, like, privy to this? And did it become, like, a regular thing? Or did, like, the shock value, like, wear off after a little bit? Or I guess those are my questions, like, so just thinking about, you know, if someone the age of my kids was exposed to this kind of thing, like, at, at what point does just, you're so traumatized that it just becomes regular? Were you... Did you shut down the first time and then after that it was like better or, or what happened? No, um, yeah, it it was made regular pretty quick um, because of the there's consequences um, if you break po- what they call posture, which I'll explain in a minute here. Um, but I was about, I was four and a half. And so, you know, one of the very first things that happened was that um, as I went through testing and they chose me for that position, um, there was a little boy my age that they also chose to become my um, training partner and my protector. Um, so the one of the very first things that we um, experienced together was they murdered his family. And this was um, in a neighborhood in Chicago, Illinois. Um, it was at, you know, two o'clock in the morning, we both got pulled out of bed and, um, you know, had to get into these vehicles. Um, he was actually at his house when, um, when we got there. So it was me and my proctor and we arrived and we're standing in his yard and there was about 20, um, big guys in black robes, uh, who got out of the cars. And they surrounded the house and started, you know, chanting and doing all sorts of um, witchcraft and spells. And, um, you know, I really want to bring this out for people to understand that, you know, this is how big this group is, is that they, you know, entire neighborhoods, this stuff happens in, you know, right out in the yard in the middle of the night. Mm. And nobody does anything. Nobody intervenes. Nobody says anything. Um, in fact, they pretend that it never happened. So, you know, what they did was they literally pulled out um, his whole family and they had him come and stand by me and my proctor. And we were told that we had to stand there and watch. And that if we, if we tried to intervene, if we cried out, if we showed any emotion that it was going to be worse. And they, at that point they didn't define what the worst was. Um, and so, you know, as we were standing there, um, his, he had a two year old uh, baby brother that they had another person come and take and left the scene. Uh, so he was not there. But then um, these guys held down his father and his mother and his eight-year-old sister. And his eight-year-old sister, they raped right in the yard and in front of us. And then um, 
after they did that, we all got into the cars and um, they took us to a barn and there they, in front of us, um, basically hung and gutted uh, his father, his mother, and his sister. And then, you know, the whole time, like, you know, we were not allowed to do anything. And, um, you know, the only thing that I could do, I, I could tell he stopped breathing and I dared to reach out my little pinky and touch his pinky. And that made him start breathing again. And then after that, the next day, um, the news was, you know, the police were part of this. Um, the news was that his family had died in a severe car accident. And, um, you know, they had burned in the car, the, or the gas tank had exploded. And so we, you know, then got to briefly attend the funeral. And that was the end. Nobody ever spoke of his family again. We weren't allowed to bring it up. We weren't allowed to grieve it. Um, they put him in the hands of the man who was pretending to be his grandfather, uh, was one of the Nazis that had been brought in through Project Paperclip, and he was our combat trainer. Um, and that was the man that they put him in the custody of. And, you know, from that point on, you know, he was known as his grandfather. So, so <laughs> I'm not, I'm laughing because of the tension. It's just, the, it's the weight of the story. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm trying to wrap my mind around a family sacrificed and then an, the one survivor being handed over to a, a Nazi um so and i was going to ask you that question because you had mentioned mk ultra and mm-hmm. and that's a technique that we know uh came out around that same time of project pa- paperclip and all of that when after world war ii and uh is that something that they regularly practice with within uh the brotherhood yeah um that is a very common program. And I brought out um, the show's temporarily been taken offline, mm-hmm. um, but I brought forward the evidence about um, the man I just mentioned. Um, his name was Michael Karkok, and mm-hmm. he was the Ukrainian Legion of Defense leader for um, the Nazis and was in charge of a lot of projects. Um, under the umbrella of Project Aerodynamic, but people have heard of, you know, the Stargate Project, um, Mm -hmm. Star Wars Now, those are some of the names that have gone out. So uh, Carcock was the individual who um, was the main trainer for both John Brennan and Michael Aquino. Mm -hmm. And then he was our trainer. Um, So he's the one who taught um, those individuals Uh, the different aspects of, um, I call it like types of divination, witchcraft and black magic. Um, The military uses words like PSYOP Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, MKUltra or um, different things like that. But, you know, it was teaching individuals how to remote view, how to astro project, how to basically do warfare solely in the spirit world um, without engaging in warfare in the physical world. So that was Michael Carcock's specialty. 
So I was going to say, um, I know when you mentioned Brennan and Aquino. Um, so I know, uh, I didn't know anything about, I never heard Brennan before, so I'm not quite sure how to respond to that, but I was going to say Michael Aquino, I know he was, so was it basically like they had, um, the military arm, which would be Aquino, and then the intelligence arm within the U.S. Um, structure, I guess. Because um, Michael Aquino is was a general, if I'm not mistaken, and he's still he's not in there anymore. Was he? He wasn't DARPA, but he was, and it wasn't was he DIA? I can't, I can't remember. But um, yeah, both of them worked. So. Um... So Karkov trained them. So um, Aquino took over the West Quadrant, both in the U.S. and internationally. Mm-hmm. So he ran all the PSYOP projects through the military dumb bases um, with the spiritual gates. And mm-hmm. then um, Brennan was part of the CIA part, but um, he oversaw like the genetics, the eugenics, hmm. um, those aspects for the East quadrant and um you know managed all the the military dumb bases and the um both of them were overseeing different uh quadrants for the monarch programming that was going on that interconnected with the military okay that makes sense um and i I guess this is how does the um Like, um, I know Aquino is a form, it's pretty, it's common knowledge that he's attached. Was it the OTO with, uh, mm. not Aleister Crowley, uh, well, I guess eventually, but like, does, does that have, I, I would assume that like groups like that or Crowley or, um, I can't think of his other, the other guy's name. Um, part, not Jack Parsons, but, no, uh, um, Anton LaVey, like yeah, those yeah. kind of uh, satanic group, you know, that are out there in the open talking about what they do. Are those mm-hmm. like used or how do those groups that are outright um, open about like what they do, like the satanic temple or, you know, with Anton LaVey mm-hmm. or the OTO with Jack Parsons and Crowley and all that stuff um, and what they were doing you know, up in New Hampshire and conjuring all these things. So th- are, are they, are they part of it or are they like a smoke screen? Cause this is, this is where I just get. Um, um, well, there were some of the ones you mentioned were, um, so those would be like, if you're thinking the system and under mm-hmm. department, those are all going to fit under the Satanist department. Um, okay. Some of it go into the Masonic because they also, you know, they were Satanists, but they're also um, Masons. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, Aquino was a high-level York Scottish Rite Mason. He was into um, the OTO order, but then also he um, got more into the Egyptian mythology of the mm-hmm. Masonic branches, which gets into the higher levels of the black magic with Aleister Crawley. Hmm. And so with that, you know, he set up the temple of set. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he oversaw that whole 
um, order, and he split himself off from Anton LaVey, who stayed more uh, along the philosophies of the Luciferians. Right, right. Um, so they have a little bit different philosophies, um, but they're able to kind of pick and choose at that point what they're involved in and what they're not. Hmm. Um, at the higher levels, you know, Aquino was part of the Order of the Golden Dawn. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe Brennan is part of the Order of the Phoenix, which mm-hmm. that falls under um, more of the Muslim Brotherhood. So you have individuals like Obama, um, mm-hmm. HRC, they fall under that category mm-hmm. of the system. Yeah, that seems like just like more of the left wing versus right wing political stuff is yeah right exactly yeah, that. Basically it is. yeah it's, it's exactly that you have the system fighting the system yeah so wow. yeah I, I need to go back because okay. uh, i gotta go back to this whole seeing satan thing <laughs> <laughs> it, <laughs> i'm not i don't want to laugh about it but yeah. i mean it had i've i you know i've told this story before on the podcast anyone who's listened knows that i've seen angels um i, I know on two possibly three occasions one was uh, amazing. It just uh, was brilliant, like a star shining, followed me home in my car late at night. Um, I went out to my house, talked to, asked it what, if it had a message or anything, and it didn't say anything. So I went to bed and went inside, went to bed. I actually grabbed my roommate and he saw it too, because I just thought I was going crazy. And so my roommate looked at it and he saw it. And, um, and then the other one was actually uh, an angel that was sitting in the church uh, by himself, by herself, it looked like an older woman, and um, I. It, there's a whole story around that too, but I can't. I'm trying to imagine this vision of the presence of of Satan. He's a, obviously fallen angel. He's got some, you know, some kind of um, presence to him, power. I mean, is it right? Did you just did you see him often and enough to where you just knew what to expect? Were, were you afraid of him? Was there anything like I, I'm just like what was going through your mind at those times? Yeah, I, I was not. I was not afraid of him. Um, there were times that you know he. The best way to describe it is there's something about him that is very alluring and drawing. And you're you're just drawn into the depth of darkness, and mm. I don't know how to explain that any farther than um, just that you know there's like that just that drawing being drawn to him, and um, you know so there was that constant emotional and um, spiritual fight every single night where it was like, no, I'm not going to participate. No, I'm not going to do what you want me to do. You know, I had to constantly be saying no. And then, you know, part of that, there were a lot of consequences. You know, Satan has a way of melding one's will to do what he wants you to do. So, you know, every, absolutely every decision I had to make as a child um, came at the price of somebody's life. And so, you know, I watched over a thousand deaths a month because I was constantly saying, no, I'm not going to do that. No, you know, and when I said that somebody died and it wouldn't always be instantly, um, you know, it, it would usually be the next day or, 
you know, it'd be when I least expected it. Um, so, you know, one of the ways they also did it um, with the consequences, you know, me and my training partner had, you know, I did not want to kill or take life. And he knew that, um, but that we would be put in situations where, you know, um, they would put us in a room with adults. Um, at first it was people who were trying to defect out of the system. And it was, you know, either you two make it out of the room or the defector makes it out, but only, you know, one of you gets to live. So, um, you know, if, we had to kill in order to get out of the room. Mm. And um, so my training partner early on, you know, literally would refuse to allow me to do that. And so, you know, later that became like a real sore spot for me because, you know, the more decisions I made that were against Satan's will, you know, the more Satan would target him and make him do things that, you know, I didn't want him to have to do either. So, um, you know, there were times like, you know, when we were just doing ritual prep, which for end time rituals, you know, that meant that we were just getting ready for, you know, learning like what it, what was supposed to happen, when it was supposed to happen. And a lot of it's, you know, you practice and you have to have it perfect. Um, so I wouldn't fight the ritual prep. Um, I would go through that and learn everything that I was supposed to. I would memorize, you know, the black magic, the different books that had to be memorized. But then, you know, when there were rituals where life had to be taken, that's where I would say no. And um, so I had to, you know, make those hard decisions at that young age. Um, do you I don't know if that answered your question. <laughs> yeah, no, it's fine. I don't want to dwell on it. I don't even like glorifying, you know, him at all. So, which is kind of contradictory to this whole podcast episode. But I, okay, so let's talk. Um, I want to move into a different direction a little bit. So you, one of the things that you're trying to do is you're trying to help people leave this, leave the, the brotherhood to, to mm -hmm. understand that there is a way out. Um, obviously without Christ, there's no way you would have made it out. Um, like I can't right. imagine you standing before Satan and not being, you know, without Christ being the one that would stand between the two of you, you know, yeah. um, I just can't imagine any other way. So mm -hmm. that's, that's incredible. Like that's the answer really for anyone. But, but when we talk about, um, and one of the things that too, you're passionate about is helping for, for these, all these children. Um, this human trafficking. Yeah, this is this is a big topic right now. It obviously, um, it's become more and more in the mainstream. Years ago, a few years ago, when PizzaGate was talked about, it was laughed about and called a crazy conspiracy theory. And and now um, we're discovering all of these underground trafficking, and um, even to the point of where uh, drug cartels have moved from doing drugs to human trafficking because it's more profitable. Um, is the human trafficking problem, especially with those that are uh, that we're finding now, um, connected? Like, for instance, you know, Epstein and and the whole that whole realm of names and the books and the Hollywood and all that is that connected to this uh, the Brotherhood and the circle and the whole pyramid of authority and all that the, that you were just talking about? Yeah, absolutely. Um, the majority of those big names that we're hearing, especially in politics. 
um, our high priest or priestesses or grand high priest and priestesses uh, for the different quadrants. Um, some of them are satanic councilmen. So I've talked um, on one of my shows, um, I shared how Obama had just um, succeeded Soros um, as the phoenix of the council, and that means that Obama now sits uh, at the top uh, seat on the satanic council. Um, wow. So a lot of these people are underneath that. Um, you know, it, it's all interconnected. So you have, yeah. like, a lot of the names that we're hearing are, are people that I would call hierarchy children. Hmm. So they were born and bred and brought up in the system to take certain positions in order to keep the system running. So they've all learned a job, and their job has been to keep that um, going for the system. Um, the the kids that, you know, the other set of kids are, are the system's assets. So those are the children that they make their money off of. Um, We've talked a little bit about before the show um, about how much money it, one of these kids brings the system. Um, you know, we're talking high levels of money. So, you know, let's just say one child, um, first the system will make money off the child uh, using them as a sex slave. Then when they're done with them for that, um, whoever is, paying money for that child has the option, you know, they can harvest organs, they can uh, get adrenochrome from the child, they can pay more money to ritually kill the child, uh, or pay more money to cannibalize the child. Mm. Um, when they're done with that avenue of money, um, the children are put through, um, after they're dead, they're put into incinerators. And people can look this up. You can search funeral homes and look for memorial diamonds. Hmm. And you can see that within a 24 to 72 hour period, it's possible to turn the ashes of somebody into a diamond. So um, this is how the Vatican got a lot of their money. Hmm. All the Catholic churches have incinerators um, underneath them in the basement. So after they were done using the children, they would just turn them into ashes and incinerate them into diamonds, which then um, whoever's paying the money could either keep the diamond um, as a trophy diamond, or they put it on the market and sell it to department stores or other places as specialty diamonds. So this is where we start to get into some of the specialty colored diamonds. Um, hmm. With that, the public also buys into the system. We pay for these things. Um, after they're done with that, there's still ashes from the bones left over. Um, those are ground up and sold to our food companies. And it's sold as a filler for food or pharmaceuticals and goes into our prescription medications or into our food. And there again, the public pays um, into the system for those things. So um, each child, you know, it's estimated they at least get at least two million for each child. Whoa. Um, and, you know, a lot of the children, um, 
you know, we had over 800,000 this past year just through CPS that went missing um, in the USA alone. But that's not the bulk of the children that they get. Um, the bulk of the children are, they have underground breeder programs. So this is where they put girls into these breeder program systems. And, you know, at least once a year, they have a child that is bred for ritual sacrifice or um, bred to be one of these asset children. And those children have no names, no birth certificates. Nobody ever knows they were alive or that they died. Hmm. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's. Okay. I'm gonna. We're gonna come back to that because I've got to think on that a little bit as, as because what I'm I'm listening to you talk, but I'm also have I'm, I'm writing notes. I don't know if you noticed, and uh, I'm I've got a million questions that I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna pepper you with a array of questions uh at the end here um we've got time do you have a little bit more time oh yeah definitely we can go as long as you need to oh good okay good because um so let's turn towards the government for just a second you had mentioned um brennan and uh the other guy what was the other guy's name uh michael aquino yeah aquino uh brennan's still pretty active in the government i mean i've seen his name in the news and all um what What's his role in in this whole thing? Yeah, uh, well, he was one of the two individuals who oversees all of the, um, what I would call the military interfacing between the governments and the world leaders. Um, so, you know, his his primary role was to prepare individuals um, in those training programs for end time programming, um, which involves opening the spiritual gates. Um, I, I'll explain that just a little bit more. Um, so with that, Satan has had one agenda, um, which is that he, you know, thoroughly believes he can usurp the throne of God and become God but he needs a way to do that. Um, he's able to go into the throne room daily and has to ask permission for everything that he wants to do. Um, but he can't bring his demonic hordes into the, into the heavenlies, into the throne room. So part of these experiments or programs that Aquino and Brennan were working um, is working through the spiritual gates or portals that go into the heavenly realms, and they need human hosts for the demonic spirits. When they have those connections and they can get the spiritual gates open, Satan's agenda is to funnel his demonic hordes through the heavenly gates into the throne room of God using um, human hosts. Hmm. So that's what a lot of these hidden... Um, government experiments that Brennan and Aquino were working on revolved around. Um, that's something right now um, I'm working with um, individuals to try to bring forward, um, you know, have the government release those projects and the experiments because they committed crimes against children. Um, they would use things like adrenochrome, um, both Brennan and Aquino would not only naturally procure that and proof it, but they would force it. I was one of the individuals that they forced it on. 
and um, they would use a, adrenochrome as a means to heighten spiritual gifts um, so that you were, you know, seeing, uh, hearing, and feeling more clearly in the spirit world for these projects. Hmm. Um, they do that also with the military. There's a lot of military individuals who have had this been subjected to these same things under Aquino and Brennan. So uh, you mentioned adrenochrome. There's a lot, you know, I looked on the internet to try and find information about it. And the first thing that came up was a conspiracy about it. Um, the next couple of things that came up were like really like a scientific formulation, uh, like a chemistry outline of it. Can you explain adrenochrome a little bit more? Because I have heard everything from it's the most highly addictive drug ever that anyone's ever taken to it is the fountain of youth. Um, And now what you just mentioned for sure was that it's, uh, it heightens spiritual awareness. Mm -hmm. Um, Can you explain that a little bit more? Yeah. um, Well, they, it kind of, they would procure two things. So you have adrenochrome, which comes uh, from the adrenal glands and that most people would know as the fight or flight hormone. Um, So when you have it in, you know, it's natural for the body to have that hormone. But what happens is when you have an extreme excess of it, um, you know, it goes beyond you just having heightened uh, senses or awareness or, you know, spiritual acuity to you enter into a psychosis. Um, And on that psychosis, people you know, do really horrible, like it, I, the best way I can explain it is like everything within you that is evil, like every evil thought you could ever have just bombards you and you don't have the mental control on it to be able to tell yourself no, like you just react. You can't really think like, you know, you're having these thoughts, you know, you don't want to do that, but you just act on impulse. So that's in its highest form. Um, so the other one um, are the hormones that come out of the female gland. Mm-hmm. So what they would do is they would uh, procure these and they don't have to kill their victims to get uh, these two hormones. Uh, they had ways of doing that. Um, that like the methods I saw were ancient traditions traditional ways of procuring it that were passed down like, you know, from old, old centuries. So they would, you know, they would procure it or get it from the victim and then they would proof it almost like a tincture. And so they would either proof it in formaldehyde, which would make it, you know, that is the tincture they would use when they were specifically wanting a psychosis reaction. Hmm. So um, a lot of the Hollywood stars or elites, like when they're at these rituals, Mm -hmm. that's the time they would use that type of proof. Um, You know, they just want to let loose and do whatever they need to do and not even think about it. So that's when they would take that type of drug. Um, The other types were... um, you know, they would uh, proof it in like a vodka and hmm. the, they would have different percentages and 
so they would test even from, you know, my testing was early on. Um, so they would know how much they could give you in exact calculated amount before you would hit that psychosis. Um, so the majority of these individuals like who are in our politics or government, they're what I call like adrenoholics uh, <laughs> where um, they are so used to having a calculated daily amount of adrenochrome, you know, it heightens everything. It gives them that usefulness that they're mm-hmm. in that go, go, go mode all the time. They get a lot done. You know, they're able to function. But if you cut it, then they go through severe withdrawal and their body can't function. Part of the thing with them taking it on a regular basis from an outside source is that their adrenals stop producing it naturally on demand. So um, some of them, you know, have very severe or even fatal reactions if they, if that dose gets stopped. So uh, all these, there was, you know, a couple months ago there there was um, all this talk. Like we've I'm, okay. I'm not a. We've mentioned on here. We're not a big Q QAnon mm-hmm. um, follower group, but we watch and observe what's going on there. And there was all of these things talking about how Trump was going to cut the adrenal uh, chrome, adrenochrome flow to Hollywood and all of this. And all of these actors were struggling through. And then then you would you would see pictures of people like Ellen DeGeneres um, and there's right. some, some suspicion around guys like Tom Hanks and individuals like that. And they just look like they've been through hell. Um, yeah. Not, I know makeup, I mean, I mean they kind of are touching hell. So, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I know makeup does a lot for these actors and actresses, um, but you know, and stylists and all, but, but when I, is that true? Is there truth to that, that, that there's, it was possibly some kind of supply that was cut off from these people that were lower level. Yeah, I do. I do believe that a major part of their supply was cut off. Hmm. Um, hmm. So you did see a lot of things that were reminiscent of what I experienced when individuals, um, you know, went through adrenal withdrawal. Um, one of the things that happens is that it, um, your body's so used to working at fast mode that you burn all your potassium. So when you go through these withdrawals, um, you know, if you don't have a proper potassium, like you have to take mass amounts of potassium. Um, but if you don't have that, then you get symptoms from the electrolyte imbalance as well. And that can cause really weird things to happen. Um, you know, like I had one time, you know, my, I, my potassium dropped in my eyesight. I, I lost my eyesight for three days. Like I just, I couldn't see anything except for my hand right in front of my face. And then as soon as I got my potassium back up, my eyesight came back to perfect 2020. Mm-hmm. So, wow. You know, it, it's just, you get really weird things that happen. Um, but yeah, I would, you know, from what I saw, I believe that many of those people are even the weird, you know, we saw uh, Merkel and uh, HRC had the weird where they, you know, we're jerking weird and yeah. stuff like yeah. that. And I felt that was from a massive potassium drop because of the adrenal withdrawal. So I had heard that when so, when HRC had all like the shake, like the most famous video is 
Yeah, see, they, they, they looked like she was having seizures. Yeah, when she was walking down the stairs and everyone was trying to help her get into the SUV mm-hmm. back. Uh, someone told me that, <laughs> this is crazy, I think, but someone told me that, it's not crazy, because it's probably true, um, but it, that when there is a, uh, I think it's a parasite that you can develop from eating from being a cannibal. And they had discovered a tribe in some uh, South Indian Ocean island that uh, they many people had this same exact reactions. They were like the convulsing, looked like seizures. They traced it back to this parasite as a result of eating human flesh. And <laughs> I'm not accusing HRC necessarily. <laughs> I'm not putting it out of the realm from everything I've heard. And I'm still waiting for fla- frazzle drip to come out so we can <laughs> see if that's true. Uh, I'm my, if I'm being honest with everyone here, my, I want to be proven that it's wrong because I believe it. What do you think about that? Well, um, (laughs) (laughs) I'll start with the, the Kuro disease. Um, that is very possible. Usually though, if it is from that, you would see it continue, uh, because it, once you start with the seizures and the convulsing, your health quickly and rapidly declines, and there would be a lot more day-to-day evidence that that's what um, she was experiencing. Um, there's a possibility of that, um, so I don't leave, leave that out either. Mm. Um, it could be either or, but you know what I saw happening because it seemed like there were you know the I wouldn't say every appearance I've seen of HRC has been her, um, but the ones that I believe have been her, you see where she's functioning normally again, mm-hmm. you know, and it's months after that event. So that's what leads me to believe more that it was, you know, electrolyte imbalances and stuff to do with the adrenal and the pineal gland hormones than the curo, but it could be both and. Mm-hmm. Um with the other thing, though, um, you know, remind me what the second topic was. <laughs> I just blinked on it. It was really good. Oh, no, I remember you were talking about the... Um, Cannibalism? Well, just uh, yeah. the frazzle drip, the video, the, the whole... Drip the, the, the proof. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so with that, um, I, I was eyewitness to at least... Um, 30 of her murders that were exactly the same. So when I saw the video, um, each of these hierarchy people have what we call a signature killing. And that means that that is their, it's not, they don't kill the exact same way every time, but it means that the majority of the time, that's the way they like to do things. Mm. Um, so that movie or video, um, was exactly, you know, what I knew as to be her signature. Hmm. Um, I could identify, so beyond identifying it from her signature um, way that she likes to kill, um, you know, which included they they put the child into a scalding hot shower first, that is to loosen the skin. Hmm. And then from there, you know, even from the side that she tore the flesh and everything, that was exactly the way she I'd seen her do it before and then voice recognition Hmm. um you know so I'm personally from the version I saw on the dark web 
I would say 100% yes, that was her, and she is guilty of that. Um, but we're waiting to see it come out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I wish it wasn't true, but yeah, sadly, I, I say it is. So, do you? Uh, where's Trump in all this? Um, right now, Trump is one of the individuals that um, that received my testimony and mm-hmm. all the evidential evidential stuff, uh, locations, names, um, tangible evidence. So, um, as I turned that stuff over to them, you know, I've seen him in operation with the military doing stuff in the underground. Um, you know, hitting all the underground bases, things like that in areas where I know, you know, they have training centers or a lot of occultic activity. So I fully believe he's fighting this, um, you know, and have seen a lot of evidence of that. Um, if, if he wasn't even, you know, I look at the stuff that just recently is, is coming out this week, you know, with the Bidens and stuff like that. Yeah. If Trump was not in that fight, there is no way that information would have ever been released, yeah. ever. Like, no, it would have been so hidden. Um, so, you know, I'm confident that, you know, they, there is something that his administration is doing to work on this. And, um, you know, I do believe that, that there are good Marines who have been behind him and behind this movement um, who really are the backers and the ones, you know, because of what they saw, you know, really were like, we need to end this. We need to end the trafficking. We need to step up for the children of our country and our nation. And we need to put a stop to this. Yeah. (laughs) I've got more questions. I don't want to dominate you guys. I, Rachel, did you have a question? I thought I heard your mic turn on a second ago. Um, no, I have. Uh, I've just seen different things, uh, kind of confirming what you're talking about, Jesse. Where, um, and some of these things, I wish I had screenshotted. I feel like I have my screenshots are like a mess right now, but. <laughs> You know, I've seen different um, adrenochrome, like human source inventories, and I've seen different articles where, you know, people are coming across human baby remains in, like, capsules and whatnot, just, like, weird stuff. But everyone's like, oh, that's a conspiracy theory. Like, that stuff's just not true, and it doesn't matter if there's photographic evidence. It doesn't matter if, you know, you actually have the document. Like, some people just don't even want to touch that realm because it sounds too far off. And yet your testimony sounds so much like similarities between other people who've experienced other things like this. So a lot of it, even though it's very disturbing, it's not surprising to me. Mm -hmm. I'm just wondering how you're okay. Like, I'm just wondering if you're, (laughs) you know, you've since, you know, gone to therapy or something, or if you've since like been able to really talk this kind of stuff out and, you know, I'm, um, there's a really good book that people have been recommending to me, but I haven't read it yet. It's called The Body Keeps the Score, <laughs> where you can carry physical trauma in mm-hmm. your body, whether in your joints, your nerves, your spine. Like, have you experienced 
a lot of physical trauma, not just emotional trauma from experiencing these things? And how have you healed or been in the process? Of- yeah, I, well, first I give complete all glory to the Lord because um, I wouldn't be here or even be able to coherently discuss any of these things without the Lord. Um, Amen. You know, I had nobody to turn to, nobody to um, talk to about this as a kid, nor through the majority of my adult life. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really just had just the Lord alone. And um, it, it's kind of interesting how God chose to, you know, get me to this point. But one of the major um, individuals that the Lord indirectly put into my life was Corey Ten Boom. And so I had come across her books, you know, early on, um, I think our church library had had it. And I just, you know, I fell in love with, with the way that she talked to the Lord because it was so, it, it so resonated. It was so much like me. She, you know, she'd argue with God. If, if you get past her book, The Hiding Place <laughs> and into some of her other works, you know, she literally has these arguments with God. And I'd be sitting there like, this is me. Like this, I sit there and argue with God, you know? And um, so I really connected with her and it was through her books and her writing about her relationship with God that really got me through a lot of hard stuff. And, you know, the stories that she talked about going through uh, Ravensbrück in the concentration camp mm-hmm. um, in a lot of ways really were very similar to things that I had to go through, you know? So like she talked about, you know, like standing in line with all these women and they all had to be stripped naked and searched and stuff like that. And, you know, I could, that resonated with me because there were times, you know, where I had to be in rooms where, you know, everybody was naked and performing sex magic or harming children. Um, you know, it, it had just become like a thing where you get desensitized to it. You know, you just know that's what they're doing. And, um, you know, so things like that kind of really resonated with me. But then she would talk about, you know, how the Lord, um, what the Lord did through those times. So for her, you know, here she was completely naked and they had to confiscate a Bible into the camp with them. And there's nowhere to hide that Bible. You know, <laughs> she just had to boldly put it around her neck and she said, Lord, hide me. Wow. And then she tells how, you know, the person in front of her was searched, the person behind her was searched, and it was literally as though they didn't even see her. And mm-hmm. she had that Bible just hanging there right around her neck, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I I witnessed and experienced a lot of miracles like that too. Mm-hmm. And um, so she was one of the people, you know, the Lord brought me a lot of healing in hearing her stories and being able to connect to the spiritual aspect of those at a higher level. Um, And then, you know, I mean, some of the things, um, you know, to be honest, um, I have not been through any therapy for this and really a lot of my shows, um, especially with Good Dog and David Zublik, um, those are first-time raw processing. So mm-hmm. that's the first time I've ever vocalized any of those things that I'm sharing. And so the audience, you know, it's like I'm just giving it 
sharing it with people as the Lord leads me to share. Um, there's some things that, you know, both me and my training partner have just decided we're going to leave buried with Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, adrenochrome was one of those things that we were like, we're leaving that buried with Jesus. Like we did not want to even think about that. We didn't mm-hmm. even want to discuss amongst ourselves the horrible trauma we went through with that. But then the Lord um, ended up as I brought out the truth about uh, Michael Carcock's involvement in the Nazis and then uh, Brennan and Aquino, the Lord told me that I had to bring forward the adrenochrome with that because people needed to understand how they were using it, especially with the veterans and um, that these men were guilty in using that as crimes against children and humanity. Hmm. And so I had to really surrender that to the Lord. And, um, you know, the first video I did on that with David, um, the night before, like I literally, I mean, I was like shaking because, you know, like I had never whispered a word of it to anybody, you know, and I was just, I had to have people keep telling me that night to breathe. Like mm-hmm. all my prayer partners were like, you're going to be fine sharing about you know God's got you and it's going to be fine and I was like I'm like I don't know how I'm going to even put it into words because I uh, some of the stuff I don't even have words to describe the depths of evil or what was done like there's just not words and one of the things that got me through was my training partner's snarky attitude and he was (laughs) like I'm really glad you're talking about this and I was like why Hmm. why like this stuff should never be told, right? Mm-hmm. And he's like, "Well, so it's so I don't have to." And I was like, "Oh, you jerk!" You know, jerk. <laughs> <laughs> and then it, he brought up like he was joking back, and he was like, "You puked on me because when we would come down off of the adreno, it makes you really nauseous, and I would oftentimes I would be throwing up." Mm-hmm. And one of the times we were locked in a cupboard together, coming oh, down man. off. And I threw up all over him. So he oh. threw that in my face and was like, you puked on me. <laughs> <laughs> but that that at least gave me a little laugh so that the next day when I had to talk about it, I had to just keep thinking about, you know, that, that good <laughs> conversation between us to get through that yeah. talk. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was really hard to get through that. Well, the, the healing of the Lord, too, is so complete. Uh, and you know, Rachel, when you were talking about uh, the the how the human body can hold it, I started thinking we have a good friend of ours who's a, a believer, and he's also one of the leading epigeneticists uh, in the world. And um, he, he was talking about how uh, at, at an epigenetic level, the Holy Spirit actually works in people's lives and heals and restores, um, mm-hmm. and in through deliverance and all kinds of amazing things that you wouldn't normally think about uh at like from that level but um i'm i mean yeah that's a great question rachel i don't know how you could come out and have a coherent i don't know how you could function with the knowledge of what you have because this is what is so many people are blinded by they're they're blinded from i should say they don't see clearly in the spiritual realm 
Um, the way that, you know, even though we read our Bibles and many people are, are, even in churches that are more spiritually open, like some of the charismatic movements or whatever, where they might experience, you know, uh, demonic possessions or oppressions or whatever you want to call it, um, they, there's still so much that we don't see and understand. Mm. Um, but I wanted to ask you a question. Um, I've got three that I wrote, four that I wrote down here. Okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to throw these at you. Uh, number one, you mentioned stargates uh, or not, or uh, like gates that were uh, possibly located in these domes, these deep underground military um, bases, uh, and that they were trying to set up. Is this is that something also that you could say would probably be this big hadron collider out in um, what's in Switzerland? Mm-hmm. Are you talking about CERN? Yeah, yeah, CERN. Is that can- yeah, CERN. CERN is directly connected, uh, both CERN, DARPA, uh, HARP. Mm-hmm. Um, they all oversee different aspects of the spiritual gate. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so that would make sense why they have that that uh, big Vishnu, uh, Vishnu statue mm-hmm. uh, out on, outside of the, and they did that whole ritual. Um, so if they get into one of these gates, I mean, like in my mind, I'm like I think about this, and God is just so much greater and so much stronger, and He's all knowing. He knows what's going on. Nothing's hidden from Him. I mean, the scriptures say that that He sees everything. He's omniscient. He's He's omnipresent. He's you know omnipotent. So when they try and break through one of these star gates or these gates, these gateways, and to try and allow these demonic hordes to go through, do they do they honestly believe? that they can attack God at his throne room and have victory? Couldn't he just, from the mouth of his, like, couldn't he just think it and it'd be done? Like, they would vaporize? It's like babble. Yeah, yeah. One, they do yeah. truly believe that, you know, Satan believes he will become God. Um, you know, he's very delusional in that. But you're right, the battle's already won. You know, we're already told that we overcome him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of mm-hmm. our testimony. Yeah. And then, you know, we're told there is only one God, that Jesus' job is to submit all things under the Father's feet. And so that will be done, including, you know, you, you've got God's kingdom, the kingdom of light. You also, what we see happening is we've got this kingdom of darkness, which for a period of time is going to be placed under the Antichrist's hands. Hmm. But what's going to happen then is as the Antichrist and Satan try to usurp that throne room, you know, Jesus will claim his victory in the authority of his name, and every tongue shall confess, every knee shall bow, Mm. and everything, both the kingdom of light and darkness, will be laid at the Father's feet. So we already know the end outcome that, Mm. you know, Satan's not going to win. so in the end times thing, you, you just mentioned the Antichrist. Um, do you think we're pretty close to the end right now? I mean, I feel like we are. Like yeah. 2020, honestly, we we do this podcast. We've been doing it for a couple of years. And, and every week that we come on, we could literally <laughs> just talk about the current events, like what happened this week if we really wanted to. And we would have like some kind of weirdness to it. The plan, mm-hmm. you know, the pandemic or the pandemic, whatever you want to call it, um, the you know the the great reset. I mean, the new world order is that all? You know, the new world order is that is that the brotherhood ultimately? Yeah, yeah, that's that's Satan's agenda. Um, 
the Brotherhood basically is in charge of running Satan's kingdom. So gotcha. through the physical realm. Right. So it lines up with, you know, that the system's job is to give headship to the Antichrist, who's in their eyes, you know, the Messiah mm-hmm. um, who's supposed to come. And then the Messiah, their Messiah's job is to put everything under the control of Satan or the beast, yeah. as Revelation calls him. So you think we're pretty close to that happening? You think that... I do, yep. I think we are. Um, I watch Israel. Mm-hmm. There's you know, a lot that is coming up on there. So, you know, we already see they've they've got plans not only for the city of Babylon to be rebuilt, you know, that's actually in the process. They've got the third temple mount that mm-hmm. they're building. Um, this past year, actually, there were two red um, calves that were born, um, red heifers, mm-hmm. and those have not been born for centuries. They have mm-hmm. not had a pure red heifer, which is required for the temple sacrifices yep. for the Israel priests. So um, two of those were born. And then, um, you know, we're starting to see all the signs and wonders in the skies. Um, you know, we've had all the blood moons, the blue moons, the different things going on. Um, so all of those things, you know, tell us that God's word is progressing just as he's foretold it will. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he tells us that when we see those things coming, you know, we, we know then that the kingdom of God is at hand. Yeah. Um, Do you... Uh, so I believe we're very close. I, you know, I pray that we have three more years. That's kind of how I put it. I'm praying for three. Wow. But... <laughs> so you... I don't know. <laughs> uh, all right. So two questions. So you're praying for three. Does that... That means that... In your eye, in your opinion, the Antichrist is much closer than than we might understand. Yeah, I think I think he's very close. Wow, and so, and do you believe in a rapture? Um, I I'm not somebody who technically believes in one. Um, with the scriptures. Uh, there's only one passage really that I think supports a pre-trib rapture, and that would be in um, the book of Thessalonians where mm-hmm. I think it's chapter two or three where it talks about um, the Holy Spirit being taken. Yeah. And so technically, you know, if the Holy Spirit is gone, it would be really difficult to have Christians here because, you know, we're indwelt by the Spirit of God, and mm-hmm. I don't believe that the Lord would remove His Spirit from us. Right. So, you know, that would imply that there has to be a rapture before the tribulation. But besides that chapter, all the other ones, I believe, support more of a post-tribulation, mm-hmm. you know, where the rapture occurs at the return of Christ. Um, so I'm somebody who says, you know, Boy, I'm praying we get that rapture. <laughs> but if not, I think we better be prepared to go through the tribulation, you know, because it's going to be a rough time yeah. for yeah. people to put all their m- money or their bank on a, on a you know, pre-rapture. If they're not ready, you know, how are you going to get through those difficult times, Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, if you're not prepared for them? Yeah. So. I'm, I'm encouraged, though, that um, that God's mark is going to be 
on us. Like those who are redeemed, we have his mark on us. That's right. So I know that there is a lot of people who are worried that they're going to be duped into getting the mark of the beast, but you're not. I think if you're aware that you have God's mark on you, then you're not going to accidentally get it, but you just have to be extremely aware um, of everything and, you know, be testing everything, discerning everything. But, um, but I, I'm not, I'm kind of like either or I see some things that could support it. I see some things that, you know, might indicate that there's only one trumpet when he returns. But at the same time, I'm not really worried because we probably haven't gone through horrible stuff like in America, at least no. the other people have been around the world <laughs> and the tribulation is going to be really bad. But if we have God's mark on us, at least will we be easier to spot out and die sooner or, <laughs> you know, or you know what I mean? Like I'm not worried. I'm more worried about like making sure that I am, teaching and instructing my children now yeah. um, and the people that I know, like I have more of a fire under me to like be explaining these concepts to my children. Like my children are four and two and we talk about it every day. Um, we talk about Jesus every single day. Yeah. So that's something where I'm not, I'm not worried about what's going to happen to me because I know that I'll probably, I'll probably be the first one that they knock off. But at the same time, <laughs> <laughs> that's just even sooner like I get to go to heaven even sooner or be with him even sooner right I, I agree you know scripture tells us too to be anxious for nothing you know and right. so this falls in the category you know that we're to be strong and courageous we're not to tremble or be afraid because God is with us no matter what happens or where we go you know he's always with us so we can trust that and know that in each moment he's going to give us exactly what we need to get through that moment. What What do you think about um, the? And I'm just picking your brain. So, and if you don't have an, a real opinion about it, just say I don't really know. But <laughs> uh, what do you think about the COVID and the this whole you know p- pandemic? Because it feels like it's fabricated. And do you think this is all part of like is this a ritual like has this been is this part of an agenda like with the masks and everything and like all the the blatant um ritualistic stuff that goes around you know something that's the the flu yeah (laughs) yeah right (laughs) let's be honest like the less deadly flu and there's all this other stuff well I'll, i'll say from my personal experience not once in a ritual did I ever see nor experience having to wear a mask? Huh. Cool. I'll just put that out there. There never was any face coverings on anybody that I saw. Hmm. Um, however, some of the other aspects are very connected to ritual. So you see, especially with the um, Antifa, the Black Lives Matters groups, yeah. you see this gathering of people. And with that gathering, you get this intense emotion, um, Mm -hmm. which creates a frequency. Um, The spiritual gates operate off of frequency, harmonics, light. So, you know, like when you see this gathering and everybody's chanting, they're all doing the same movement, that's very reminiscent of 
ritualistic black magic. Yep. Um, it, yep. It's what I call the witchy force. Okay. So <laughs> I see all these all over in these big cities where, you know, you definitely have a strong occult um, standing, you know, so like, you know, we saw Seattle had uh, chop. Um, we saw a place by the Alamo. Mm-hmm. And now it's, some of, I don't know if you guys caught the photos, but some of those places, um, they had pictures where the, the protesting groups, not the good protesters, but the bad ones started putting bloody handprints yeah. mm-hmm. outside on buildings. Well, that's what we call a ritual wall. So those are ritual walls to Molech. Hmm. Um, they, they represent sacrifices. So usually those are hidden below ground. So this is the first time that those are being seen with actual handprints above ground. Like you would see like um, fabricated or made up ones, like a lot of children's hospitals yeah. will have long hallways with yeah. the kids' handprints on them um, or, you know, different government buildings would but you don't see the actual, you know, child handprint. So that was something with these areas hmm. was that basically these groups were making them ritual ground hmm. by doing that. Um, so, you know, have there been rituals during this? Absolutely. And are people, you know, plausibly being initiated without their foreknowledge? I would say absolutely. Um you know, the chanting, the saying certain mantras, all mm-hmm. of that, you know, to be initiated, all you have to do is, you know, you're, um, you don't even have to give your blood. I mean, you just have to come into agreement. Usually they, they partake with something, they eat something or drink something, and then they recite back, um, you know, a core belief of whatever they're agreeing to. So even just, you know, taking food together and then repeating, you know, Black Lives Matters right there, they've just yeah. been initiated into that system and aren't even aware that they just went through a low-level initiation. Yeah, I was going to say, we we did a, uh, I think we did a podcast, was it two episodes ago, two weeks ago, about all the Black Magic stuff Yeah, that is very blatant with the black lives matter and stuff and that was one thing that really struck out to me was yeah the 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 repetition of um, i mean this this might sound super controversial but like a worthless chant like because it it, it's worthless in the sense that nobody there believes in the same you know whatever that's a whole thing but uh like the the yeah the ritualistic chant and then it was i want to say it was this week or last week like since we did so within the last two weeks where they had that guy that went up and like i want to say it was maybe last weekend and he like they have him on camera and he like has like a cow's heart or something like that and he like ripped it and he ripped it up and started eating it and like started chanting in the middle of like this big circle and of, there was like a fire he caught on fire he, <laughs> he caught his leg on fire by accident oh did he yeah. oh i didn't see all that but it was a ritual i mean it was yeah, like i mean it's getting i always look at it as like a manifestation they're just manifesting yeah i mean half of these people that you see online i mean not even on you know like in person because i would never go near any of these people 
Um, right. I, I think the stink is a good indicator that, you know, <laughs> where you're coming up on them. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, they look like these people that are doing this look straight up demon possessed. Like I think that that this is a like the evidence. If you want to go look at pictures of these, yeah, yeah, hordes of. Well, just look at their mug they, shots. Yeah, the like, mug shots look evil. Like there is definitely. So yeah. I was just wanting to say, like, more to people. Like, there, it's graduated from doing this stuff that maybe you might be like, ah, eh, that's a little out there. You guys are reading too much into it. To literally eating a a heart and a doing book, this yeah. chanting stuff. This is. And this we is talked real. about the witches too. They're the witches mm-hmm. that are casting spells on Trump. You know, they like they're literally on Fox News. Yeah. Like, you know, being interviewed by Tucker Carlson. Like, it's in the open more than it ever has been. And that's to me, maybe I'm wrong. And is this is just a sign of their boldness or their desperation? Which one do you think? Um, it's not desperation. You know, we're at war. So, you know, them coming forward is something that they do during times of war. Okay. So literally they're declaring their position and um, making a strong statement that hmm. they're, you know, going to oppose face to face. So... So uh, when you mentioned the demonic hordes, um, last week we had our good friend L.A. Marzulli. I don't know if you're familiar with him. Um, he's done a ton of – he's just done a ton of research. He's like an old-school truther and um, believer. He's been you – know, he's probably got saved in his 30s. He's in his – he's almost 70 now. But he has done tons of research on the Nephilim. And mm-hmm. his belief, and mine too um, more recently, was that – the Nephilim were the offspring of the fallen angels and the women from Genesis 6, and that they were the, the demons were the result of the disembodied souls of these Nephilim that died either in the flood or through the combats of the wars of overtaking the the land from Joshua and the tribes. And uh, and even further out, even when David, like when he killed Goliath, there would be a, a disembodied soul. Is, is that your opinion also, or are we off? Um, well, I went, I wouldn't say you're off, but you know, some of it is undefined, um, territory, but you know, my understanding too, is that, you know, there were this offspring from the fallen angels and the human women, um, you know, and those were the giants or what people called the Nephilim. Um, but where I kind of differ, you know, I mean, I have to go off my experience. So, you know, I directly was in meetings with, you know, Ball and Molech and Ashtaroth. And, you know, it's like there's, those were not Nephilim, you know, those were actual demonic generals who were running Satan's army. Um, even some of the commanders like Chemish and Gilgamesh and stuff, um, oh you know, those were people I directly interfaced with. So, you know, for me, they're very real, and I can't say that they were just, you know, souls of some long-lost humans. Um, so that's probably the only aspect where I would differ is, you know, I've experienced direct demonic attacks. And, you know, Scripture tells us that when, you know, we come into those attacks or when we see somebody who's possessed, that, you know, we have the authority in Christ's name to re- those demons and to cast them out so when i rebuke those demons are cast out so that's what leads me to believe that they are 
demonic spirits versus the Nephilim. Um, you know, I, not once in scripture, you know, all through the book of Joshua or the books of Kings, which are big about talking about, you know, those giants in Israel um, conquering those kingdoms, you don't ever see or hear them rebuking those beings. Mm-hmm. You know, there's the physical aspect where they're literally able to be at war and kill those beings. Um, and that's after the flood. So, right. um, so, so that's the part where it's kind of, you know, it's, I think there's different theories out there and we can't really say which one for sure it is at this point in time. Yeah. So. Well, we, we do know the Nephilim are real or were real because the Bible talks about them. We can say they're real. Yeah. And we do. <laughs> right. They we, are real. <laughs> and we know demons are real because Jesus rebuked them and cast them out and, and gave us authority in his name um, with them as well. Um, so, um, Cool. Hey, Rosie, do you have any other? Do you have a question you wanted to talk at all? Ask anything? No. I think we okay. Sort of... All right. I'm gonna... Oh, you know what? <laughs> this might be totally out there, but I love talking, asking about this, just okay. because it's so um, <laughs> weird. Um, so you can totally say this is weird. I don't want to talk about that, or it's to- completely off base. Um, but one of the first people, I guess, that got me into. I don't know. I don't want to say conspiracy theories, but this way of thinking was many, you know, years and years ago um, was David Icke. And he talks a lot about like the, so I don't want to say maybe we don't want to talk about UFOs and aliens or anything. I think at least for me, and I think I speak for everyone else, at least on this side is uh, that aliens or any of that kind of stuff are all demonic, yeah. you know, activity being, misconstrued or coming through some other weird way for whatever type of thing. Um, but as far as like the reptilian aspect of these elite people having, I don't want to say like different physical bodies, um, but almost that they're not a different species, but they're, there's something else that is, I don't know how to say it without um, like, are they reptilians? Is there, you know, this kind of aspect where they can, you know, are, are physically <laughs> you me, different? You, you want me to make it easy for you? Yeah. Jesse, do you believe yeah, there are no, reptilians? I, this- <laughs> I don't yeah. know how to say it. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> this is right up my alley. Um, oh, perfect. <laughs> so it, it's kind of easy to explain. One is, is all demonics. Um, there is nothing in particular different or special about the bloodline. Okay. Um, there are some different things with the breeding. So, you know, you're, we're talking here, these um, bloodlines have been breeding for centuries. So they are very aware of genetics, you know, yeah. everything with the DNA coding. They specifically breed people for certain um, DNA spiritual gifts, uh, certain aspects, certain traits, mm-hmm. things like that. Um so with that, um, you know, you've got a lot of that is happening in the MK Ultra programs. Um, so that's one part of that. And John Brennan, like I said, you know, he's really big into the genetics and that type of experimentation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as to the blood itself, there isn't anything, you know, but some people have said, you know, everybody who's RH negative 
that proves that you've got this reptilian bloodline. Yeah. It, it doesn't. Um, what they're speaking of is <laughs> what the families would call it is that you've got children that come from the, you know, the original um, or carry that genetic code for that Nephilim bloodline. So um, when God sent the flood, uh, Noah's son's wife were individuals who came out of Atlanta, Canaan, and all carried that Nephilim uh, DNA recessively. Mm-hmm. So as you know, they started repopulating, you would get instances where, you know, an individual would get both those recessive genes and they would have those Nephilim characteristics to them. Um, so, you know, the, the bloodline families are very keen on watching for who has those and for breeding specifically to try to get many of those original Nephilim traits as possible not because they want to recreate the Nephilim, but it's because God, you know, when he sent that flood, he, he took away the fallen angel's ability to have offspring. Mm-hmm. So their hope is to create mm-hmm. individuals who have as much of that um, angelic uh, DNA as possible. Um, so that's what they've been doing all these years. Um with that, um, you know, you've got a whole different subject when you get into the characteristics and the changing. Um, I never saw an individual take on what people would describe as a reptilian form. Hmm. Um, I did see Satan, you know, I would see him in his human form. I would see him in his spirit form. And then he also had two dragon forms that he would appear in. So, I did see him take that dragon form. Um, But, you know, I never saw a person turn into a dragon or a reptilian. What I did see, though, is you've got this select group of individuals who serve the elite who are their protectors or assassins. Hmm. And there's two um, groups in there where you've got bloodlines, the one bloodline, we call the wolves or the werewolves. The other ones we call the vampires. Hmm. Um, when those individuals, like the really, they come from very old families. So like the vampires come through the line of Romanoff. The werewolves come through the line of Rasputin. Hmm. Um, both of them go all the way back to Vlad the Impaler or Dracula. Um, that was kind of where the two bloodlines split was during Vlad's period uh, where he reigned. Um, with that, at age five, the children that are born into this family take a special oath with the familiar spirit that um, that their family inherits. And I call those mm. spirits angel spirits. They have the ability to change the person's physical appearance upon demand. Um, so, you know, at age five, they take an oath from what I had understood for ages was that once they take that oath, there's no getting out of it. Hmm. Um, you know, the, the, it's, it's comparable to your blood oath with Satan. Um, but I did have, you know, I have a friend who's come out who was a wolf 
And so I had asked him, you know, I was like, how in the world did you get free from that spirit? Mm -hmm. And he was like, well, I rebuked it in Jesus name. And I was (laughs) like, why, why did I not think that was a possibility? (laughs) (laughs) So um, that's how, you know, in my world, that's how I grew up understanding Mm -hmm. those things. Um, You know, so, I've heard people's stories about, you know, Queen Elizabeth changing in front of them or Prince yeah. Philip. Um, you know, they never changed in front of me. I never experienced them in those forms, um, you know, but was very aware of their high levels, mm-hmm. um, occultic activity and the depravity that they went to through that. Um, but so I wouldn't say it's not possible. Right. You know, I mean, if if it can manifest looking to a wolf to someone, I'm certain it could probably could manifest looking like a dragon or a reptilian sure. to others. You know? Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, thank you, thank you for indulging me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I got a couple more questions for you. Um, I have some names that I want to throw out to you, and um. And I'm just curious your thought on these individuals. Uh, I'm going to start with an easy one. Uh, the first one is Chelsea Clinton. Is she in the Brotherhood? She's in. Yeah. Yep. That's what I thought. I mean, I've seen her tweets to the Church of Satan and all that nonsense. So uh, do you think that she's trying to po- poise herself for some political uh, career? Um, I I don't per se. She could end up doing that, but that was not her major programming that she go into that field. So it it could go that way, but yeah, that wasn't what I grew up knowing she would do. So okay, okay. Uh, Britney Spears. She uh... yes. She's in. I fully believe she has been trying to get out. Okay, that was my big question because I a, a lot of these entertainers started off in the church as believers, mm-hmm. especially these musicians, and they go into the music industry and something happens. They get some. Mm-hmm. I don't know how it works. I'm not sure how it, it happens. But then all of a sudden, over the course of a couple of years, they become a completely different person. But they also have yeah. all this fame and all this wealth and and all of that. So she, yeah, they go through the programming when they're when they're younger. Um, I've talked about how Disney was one of the main yeah. influences for a lot of these individuals. Um, so basically, you know, they would go through the mind control program as children, like the Mickey Mouse and, Club and stuff. You know, you got to remember that they're, yeah, and. You know, in that you're you're literally trained to live two different lives. You're two different people. You live your cover life, and then you have your occultic life, which you never show anybody mm-hmm. the occultic life, except for those who are in your occultic circle. So that's what we see happening: is that you know, while they're going through this training and being programmed, you know, we just see their good, wholesome cover life. Um, which is made to make it look like there's nothing that you could link them to anything evil. You know, it's purposely done that way. But then when they come out, you know, they're adults, like they're going from what they were trained to do 
to being moved into their positions and doing what they were trained to do. Mm-hmm. So that's where we start to see that shift and that change because now they're operating fully in their occultic position, um, doing what they were trained to do. So when you see like a, sorry, Rosie, when you see like, um, like these Super Bowl halftime shows with, mm-hmm. um, it seems to be very, in like uh, the Olympics as well, they did like the opening ceremony. And, um, are these things uh, symbolic? Ritualist? No, no, they're outright, they're outright rituals, they're rituals, but they're performing. So you think, okay, so my next, uh, all right, Rosie, did you want to say something? Because I didn't want to cut you off. Uh, I was going to say there was originally what was really interesting and what I thought was um, the fact that like how, um, you know what, go ahead. It doesn't matter. I was going to say it's interesting how in order to keep up like the idea of um, that a celebrity could have nothing hidden from us, the normal people, it's like that's why you have this pervasive um, paparazzi. Mm Mm-hmm that is always photographing like literally everything, even though they're only photographing five seconds of their day, five seconds of their day or a a photo here every couple weeks, you know, so people would think like, Oh, what's going on? You know, this woman can't have anything that Britney Spears can't have anything to hide. Cause I saw some picture on TMZ or Paris Hilton or, you know, one of these websites like that or like, Oh, she was in, she was in the, she was in Colorado last weekend or something like that. She can't, you know, so right. we, we get a little taste of what they want. I don't know. Yeah. I just thought the paparazzi, it was really interesting where you said that they, they try so much, so hard to make sure that no one could ever think that they are, um, could have these ties to it because we feel like we um, are so, like we know them on a personal level because we have this great access to them in air quotes. You know, anyway, that's, yeah, I just had that thought. Um, okay, two last names, real quick. Uh, or three, three last names, sorry. Um, Beyonce, in or out? Yes, uh, totally in. I, I just, Kathy Fox did a blog with me. Um, Beyonce, um, took, uh, the grand high priestess position when Gloria Vanderbilt died. So Whoa. she took over Gloria's. Wow. Okay. Uh, here's a, here's one that's confusing well, I to think, me. I think this is interesting. People may not know this. Uh, Gloria Vanderbilt is Anderson Cooper's mom. Right. Correct? Yeah. And they have like that yep. famous photo that she put out where they're, um, she's reading to little Anderson and yep. his brother or sister, I can't remember exactly. And they have that, like, yeah. <laughs> the demonic thing, like, right over there. Oh, yeah. Over so, his, his bed. Yeah. On his her headboard. Bed. Yeah. Her bed, yeah. Sorry. Um, yeah, there's actually, uh, Kathy and I did it. Kathy did a blog on, um, if you go to Twitter, at Kathy with a C, Kathy, Kathy Fox, um, you can read a blog about Gloria Vanderbilt, and um, she breaks down piece for piece all of the symbology of that picture above um, Cooper in the sky. Um, so if people want to know what that means and represents to the Illuminati, we, that's broken down okay. piece by piece. So. Cool. I want to check that out. Um, 
I've got two more names. Uh, one is <laughs> I'm I'm utterly confused by this individual. Uh, and then the other one, I'm not confused, but I'm just curious. Uh, the first one is Kanye West. What's your opinion on him? Uh, good old Kanye. He <laughs> is in. He's in. Yeah, he's the high priest. Do you think he wants out? I wrestle with that. Um, I've I've put it out there. I've directly messaged him and said, Kanye, if, if you're out, I really want to hear your story, and I will support the man 100%. Yeah. Um, but what I see happening is reminiscent of those who are operating under the Christian program of the Illuminati where, you know, you see him doing even, you know, under his Christianity, he's doing these massive concerts, which we've talked about, you know, the massive gathering mm -hmm. and, you know, getting everybody to be doing the same movements, the same songs, the same repetition. So you see him getting these massive groups doing that. Um, so to me, you know, it, it's more about, seems like he's doing more with the spiritual gates than attempting to get out and make it really about Jesus Christ. Okay. But I've given him the loophole and said, hey, Kanye, if, you, if you're really out, you know, let me know. Um, I did hear when he, you know, supposedly came out and confessed that he almost took his daughter's life in ritual. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. To me... I'm just going to be honest. It, it seems like a show. Um, mm. it, you know, when you're really in the system and you're trying to defect or get out, um, literally they will hunt you down or they will oppress you until you commit suicide. Um, mm. Without Jesus Christ, those are your only options. And it, I just can't fathom, you know, his wife is a high priest. Her whole family are high priestesses. You know, I... You know, and he's still making money. So that's a big a indicator. To, yeah, a lot of money. And that's the first thing. Mm -hmm. If you try, attempt to, you know, defect and you're not doing what they want you to do, they're going to take away your fame, your fortune. They will make it so you never can even get a job at, not even at McDonald's. I mean, they will hit you so hard. And I don't see that. I see him prospering, making more. And so that tells me that what he's doing is for the system, that it's not really because he wants out. But then I see him working with Trump. And, you know, I will say that, you know, he helped to make some real headway, especially with stuff going on in the prison system, which that was an avenue that the Illuminati uses to get individuals for ritual or adrenochrome. So it seems like he was very influential in that. So I do see there's some things that he's doing on some level to work with Trump. So it really puts him in that gray area for me. Yeah. So he's been in, but I don't know where he's standing right now. So one of the things that happened with him was he had a mental breakdown. And so did Britney Spears. She's had mm -hmm. multiple. And so I'm wondering if he truly did surrender his life to Christ at some level. And he just, 
if there's this internal battle that's happening between that small part that's been given to Christ, which Christ will claim and receive, right. um, versus being able to be set free. I mean, maybe he ha he's torn because he truly does love his family, you know, his children and his wife, and maybe he doesn't know, and he's just trying to play it the best he can. I don't know. I, I don't want to make excuse. I don't know. I don't. Yeah, and that's possible because they wouldn't let him with that, with the high level that his family is, they're not going to let him walk away with his kid. Hmm. So he may be staying knowing that he has no other choice, you know, because if he leaves, he has no more access to his kids. Yeah. They'll, they'll keep that access and close him off. So he may be staying, you know, to protect his children. Man. Um, you know, but it's, it's hard to know for sure. Wow. Know? I mean, so you mentioned in the within the christian circles the illuminati's infiltrated within the christian circles that intrigues me because that's not something that i would think that they would even be interested in um oh absolutely yeah. no they they've got people in every every church um you know that's one of the programs is that they train somebody to you know people to live these perfect christian lives and that's how they get access into the churches to tear them down from the inside out. And when you say tear them down from the inside out, does that mean just cause division, start splits? It could be division, strife. Um, some of them, you know, you've got people who are active witches or high-level people who will, you know, cast spells or bring demons into the church. Hmm. Um, so it just depends. But, you know, there's people who... You know, um, specifically with like the the split personalities, where they you know they split you uh, when you go through the program. So some of these people, you know, they don't have like their conscious life is that of a Christian. You know, they they would not know that they had anything to do with the system or Satanism at all. Like they, you know, their programming will cause them to black out or lose time so that when they're at rituals or other things, they have no conscious memory of those things. And unless their programming starts to break down and they start to have um, memories, which usually come back while they're sleeping, mm -hmm. um, they would have no recollection at all um, of their involvement in the Satanism. Um, you know, and they would just, truly believe and think that, you know, they are real God loving people. Um, so that's one of the programs that is built in. Um, so the enemy can operate in the church. Man, gosh, he is. Well, I mean the parable of the, uh, where he comes in and sows in the tares among the wheat, you know, mm -hmm. and they ask Jesus, what do we do? You know, they, ask, and he's like, no, leave them. We'll, we'll, I'll take care of it at the end of the day. I'll mm -hmm. separate them out, and some will be thrown in the fire, and some will be taken in. You know, um, man, that's crazy. Okay, one last name. <laughs> I mentioned this person earlier, uh, and I want to ask a specific question about him. His his first movie. He's a a movie star. His first movie that I think his first movie he ever did was called The Man with One Red Shoe. And it was, it's an actor by the name of Tom Hanks. Is there significance to that? 
Yeah, um, the red shoes are significant to the Jesuit line or the Kabbalah. Um, and, you know, it does link to the Vatican and the Pope, who also has red shoes. Um, and here I'll give a little graphic warning, but usually the red shoes are made from, you know, a ritual kill and made from the human skin. So, um, yeah, so if he's in the one red shoe club, it, you know, that's a pretty strong statement. <laughs> yeah. Do you think that was a predict, uh, not predictive programming, but it just literally a, a movie that was put in place as sort of him signaling to the other people in the brotherhood? Like, hey, I'm in. Yeah, it. they do put out movies or have ways of signaling, like, you know, wh what position they're in so people know. Um, you know, there's protocols for how you interact with people in different positions and levels. Hmm. Yeah. So it'd be a way of kind of a, establishing territory or dominance. Yeah. Wow. So... Um, this pot crossed my mind. You mentioned Molech earlier and about a year ago when maybe a little over a year ago when Brett Kavanaugh was being um, just put through the ringer um, for his Supreme Court nomination um, at the same exact time on the mall in DC, they had the, um, this, it was a, um, a gate, the gate to Molech. It was, or was it Molech or Baal? Baal. It was Baal. Baal. Yeah. Uh, spirit gate to the Temple of Baal. Yeah. yeah, and it was it was erected up onto the the mall in D.C. Mm -hmm. and it was literally you would go through the gate and you walk towards the Capitol, which is you know of course is where the Supreme Court's up there and everything else. Um, do you think that's significant? Was that something? Was there something to that? Uh, I, I've heard of London, D.C., and you know the Vatican or Rome uh, being the three mm -hmm. cities that are you know these you know, they have prominence within that whole realm. And uh, is that, was that significant in that way? Yeah, actually that was uh, part of a, a, one of the end time rituals. Um, so this past year, like that um, event uh, was for the third, uh, the opening of the third book of the mothers, which was a set of five apocalyptic books. Um, so that ritual literally, um, happened at that time and they opened the prophecies for that third book. Hmm. So that was a year ago where, are we into the fourth or fifth book yet? <laughs> Actually, the fifth, the fifth book was to be opened on April 24th this year. And mm -hmm. that ritual did not take place. So, hmm. Yeah, that was the one I was trained to open. And um, literally, both me and my training partner had government eyes on and people calling us to make sure we were spiritually present as well as physically present in our homes. Wow. And, uh, you know, the, the series of books was, um, it was kind of like a mock of the life of Christ. So, mm -hmm. like, the first book was about you know, his coming. The second book was about his baptism. The third book was about the temptation. Uh, the fourth book was 
um, his calling into ministry and the fifth book was his consummation. Hmm. Um, so basically all of those uh, were interrupted. So even that third one was interrupted and did not go all the way as they um, had planned and been trained to do. And, uh, but it doesn't mean the Antichrist, uh, you know, won't rise. It just meant Satan didn't get his rituals the way he wanted them to turn out. Yeah. So. Have they tried those before, historically? Um, no, they they did prep for those. Um, they were, you know, they're very specific. So my whole life, I was trained for for that. That was one of the things. For April 20th. open their fifth book. Yep. Wow. So I knew, like, as soon as I heard of the first book opening, like I knew it would be the next, whatever April followed that, that would be when the fifth book opened. Hmm. So, so let's see, April, that was April 20, would you say the 24th? Yep. April 24th on the 2020. Okay. When was Easter this year? Was that on in March? I was just. Um, it was. Close to that, yeah. Yeah, I was just curious. It, if... wasn't, it did not fall on Easter weekend. Okay. Yeah, I was just uh, The significance, though, is that um, April 24th is right smack dab in the middle of uh, Baal Worship Week. Mm. So that's a, a high week of sacrifices and rituals. Um, so that day is the middle date every single year uh, when they offer the sacrifices to Baal. Okay. Wow. <laughs> this has been a crazy yes. interview. I honestly, I didn't know how this was going to go. I, I I first of all, I can't thank you enough for yeah. just taking so much time with us and um I I mean, I don't even know where to go from here. Do you have any any questions, Rosie? I mean, Rachel had to bounce. She mm -hmm. she had some family stuff. She 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 quietly had to jump off, but um I I have other questions? Maybe, maybe I know you're super busy, but maybe yeah, we could plan another show. So I yes. can do that. <laughs> <laughs> I totally would because I, I have questions about skull and bones. I have I have questions about Masonic traditions. I did a whole we did a whole series. Uh, so Jesse, I work um, in D.C. It's my day job, and I was driving through D.C. and I started just noticing all of these um, just symbols of uh just they weren't in, they weren't right they weren't i knew they weren't good and then i started doing some research on dc on the masonic influence in the united states we did a whole series on it and there's so much that's just unknown about that you i mean you can find out you know stuff about the masons but there's a lot that is just still kept very secret and um so i have questions about them too so maybe we can bring you back on and and I, I, man, honestly, just the current event stuff that's going on, like this whole the Biden stuff that's happening, uh, the elections right around the corner. There's no doubt in my mind. There's enormous spiritual warfare. You know, yeah. I see conflict within the church, and mm -hmm. what blows me away is the major conflict that I'm seeing. And even just this week, there was a prominent Christian um, named John Piper, which you probably heard mm -hmm. of. And he wrote an yeah. he wrote a blog about um, you know basically saying that Trump's pride was enough for him to not vote at all, mm -hmm. and he he said that that pride was equal with the sin of abortion, 
which or murder. I mean, that's the essence of what it was. And I, I read his article, and I read several articles um, in opposition of what he said. Just kind of like re- they were kind of writing a response to that to other believers, you know, from as these are pastors. Um, I think abortion, in my, it, I can be wrong. But I really believe that there is a satanic, uh, you know, power behind that. There's a principality that is getting some kind of power, glory, mm-hmm. and if it ends. In our in our nation, if it's outlawed, if it's overturned in the Supreme Court, and it becomes what we hope it will, which it'll stop, I think that that would be a huge victory, not only for our nation. Mm-hmm. I think that the judgment on our nation would might find reprieve. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I mean, how do we how how do we atone for that many murders? You know, but but I mean, that, and I think that's at stake. In this election, I really do think that's what's at stake in this election. Um, it's that to me. It's that it boils down that simple: abortion or not. And people that say Trump's ego gets in the way, and so I see the Christian Church in conflict with that, and it troubles me greatly because I'll take someone's arrogant attitude if I can end an innocent life, or not. <laughs> if I can stop the ending of innocent life, <laughs> that came out really wrong. <laughs> Save an innocent life. Yes, yeah. yes. All right. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I mean, there's more. There is so much more at stake. And um, what we see happening is that, um, you know, the church really should be stepping up to the plate because our entire, you know, our freedom as the body of Christ is really what's at stake. And mm-hmm. with that, you know, all of these topics, you know, the freedom of our children, the saving of life from abortion, um, you know, being able to have free speech, being able to bear weapons, all of those things, you know, are at stake because those are the things that the enemy literally, you know, we've allowed the enemy to come in for so long, so subtly that we didn't even realize that literally we're being stripped of all of our armor, Mm. you know, um, where is, where is our helmet of salvation? You know, how many people really know and have that assurance of their salvation? You know, what about the breastplate of righteousness? You know, we can certainly look at the church and, and we can see a lot of unrighteousness, you know, and, uh, what about truth and faith and, you know, all of these things, the enemy literally has stripped us of our armor so we cannot fight him. And now he's coming in with his demonic hordes and his antichrist. He's got one agenda. That's to take God off his throne. Hmm. He doesn't care about Christians. You know, he's already stripped us of our armor. And if we're not fighting, you know, he's going to destroy us. He That's his next thing is to use all of those who follow him to do away with us. And then, you know, he doesn't even care about those who serve him. He's going to kill all of them too. Mm-hmm. So, you know, all he cares about is that he gets his demonic hordes into heaven a- and then they're done. You know, he, ha- he doesn't care how many years these people have served him. He has no loyalty. He has, you know, no honoring of, of that long time service. He really does not care. He literally comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And 
so without the church, you know, without us, how can those captives be set free? How can those people in darkness come out unless they hear the word of God? You know, that's where faith comes from. So by us backing down and doing nothing and not standing up in this fight, we're literally, you know, losing out on the harvest. You know, Mm -hmm. there are souls at stake here. Mm-hmm. And people don't understand how vast that number is. You know, we're not just talking about the yahoos in, in politics. You know, there's this whole underground network. Um, you know, these dumb bases, I encourage people to research those. Um, some of the largest ones, like NORAD, you know, is like the size of a skyscraper yeah. underground. You're talking more than 80 floors. Okay, and think of how many people could live in a city or a building like that with over 80 floors. Um, and, you know, to, to know that they have people that have never left, they've been bred and born in those places and have never left them. Mm. Wow. And, and we're talking mass amounts of people here. Um, and if the church, stand, you know, if we're only operating on above ground, you know, we're, we're nowhere near where God wants us to be having the influence, you know, of impact. Like the Lord promises us an end time harvest, yeah. a second. Harvest. And so this is our time. We need to step it up. We need to be praying and saying, okay, Lord, show me, show me the truth of what's really going on, how I can get involved. And, you know, let me preach your word with boldness. So that even those who have never seen the light of day will hear your word and God will open those doors for us. Mm. But, you know, if only one person is doing that, well, the harvest isn't going to be that grand. Right. Yeah. Um, So all of us need to come together, every single one. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I was, I was going to say, uh, which is uh, really interesting. Just we were talking about the underground bases as well. I was watching something recently that they've found archaeological digs of like buildings built from the top down, like hidden underground yeah. that are like a hundred stories and they could feed, you know, and all these underground things. So I was going to say, it's nothing new under the sun. Sadly, right. it's sad to, yeah, the, the, military base i can't remember what the guy's the whistleblower guy's name is it it was just absolutely mind-blowing i think he came out in like the 90s what's that i think so yeah i just remember seeing just because he wasn't around for very long he came out did a couple like interviews that were videotaped but i was gonna say the other thing um to kind of sum it up for me and then i'll i'll end my thing with this is um it's it's funny if they like come after people who are not afraid to talk about this stuff or share it with people not just because i I don't think of anything like oh i have this you know platform and you know i'm not thinking that but i mean just that i'm not at least for myself i'm not scared to talk about this stuff um with my friends or share the gospel or anything like that like if, if we're getting pretty close and if the pre-trib is not real and we have to go through it and we get killed, I was going to say, like, if they come for us first because we're more outspoke, I mean, yeah, cool. 
like heaven will be a lot cooler if like all of us are hanging out there at the same time like there'd be <laughs> a lot of really cool people that we could all hang out and um i'm ready for it I was well, gonna say. it says in revelation that uh all those who are martyred are going to be sitting uh at the foot of god for how long god how long until you avenge our blood and then he does so yeah we'll be we'll that we'll join the chorus of that i guess yeah uh, but i was gonna say be, uh, <laughs> i hope not but man i'd be in good company going down with some yeah. good people yeah exactly <laughs> exactly man well jesse you're amazing and again i can't thank you enough for spending this time with yes. us and you ab- you absolutely have a open door here you just send me a message if you have something you want to say it's yours let me know we'll bring you on we i i'm like it, one of the things is on we've never we've never had a guest that has come on that hasn't just become a friend <laughs> that's awesome Do you so, say that as um, a, a warning you know, i did I did want to say one more thing for the Masonic stuff. Um, yeah. Again, Kathy Fox is a great resource. So if you mm-hmm. go to her Twitter at Kathy, Kathy Fox, uh, both Kathy's with a C. Um, she has another blog on there um, that I wrote uh, called Silence Breaks Forth into Song. And so I got seven of them done before they censored me and refused to allow me to do any more threads at all on uh, Twitter mm. um, and and I can't even go to worst WordPress and type mm. out these things or email it so this is how censored I am um, they literally will wow. not let me put out any more about the, the Masonic stuff um, but in that thread silence breaks forth in the song um, the blog starts to talk about like the significance in the Masonic world and you know how they build ritual ground, how they view people, um, you know, the significant roles. So um, I would encourage people to read that because it will give you a better perspective. And I kind of um, do it almost like a poetry type piece cool. with a lot of questions, um, you know, to try to help break it down. And I have videos that I include, which are straight from the Masonic site. Um, so you can see, you know, from their own books, their own material, what they believe, what they're stating. Um, so it's pretty informative. So I would encourage people to look into that. Awesome. We'll put a link to that. Um, I'll put a link to Kathy's Twitter. And we're definitely going to put a link to Illuminate the Darkness, uh, your website, so people can connect with you there. Mm-hmm. I know you have a Patreon and I know that would help you yes. in your ministry, so we'll put a link to that as well. Because uh, look, we you know we do this. We don't have a Patreon. We you know we're just blessed right now. And um, but if someone can bless you, then we would encourage our listener. If you've heard this and it's it's moved you, then mm-hmm. then you know consider uh, blessing Jesse with some financial help because this is how it moves forward. It just doesn't happen. It is you know unfortunately that's part of the system of this world is this financial side of things which is a whole nother conversation the banks I, yeah. <laughs> that i could have yeah. so yeah. i also have um my book uh his kingdom comes in power the battle um just went out this week on you can get that on amazon oh, or on kindle sweet uh, so people can look into that as well awesome well, that's great i'll put a link to that as well We'll we'll link yeah. it up. Hopefully, people will follow the links <laughs> and, and look for you. But we will have you back again for sure. 
And uh, in- yeah. until we... And let me know. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And uh, if you don't mind, stay on for a second. We're going to cut the recording now. So everybody have, a, have a, a, a blessed week. We'll catch you next time on All Out War. Thanks for hanging out for us this long one, but it was a good one. We'll catch you next time on All Out War.